Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. There is a constant buzz in the city. That same buzz permeates through the grounds of the U.S. Open. Steve, it's the weekend, and I've got men on my mind. The American <laughs> men, that is. Talk about it. Francis Tiafo and Taylor Fritz, great opportunities to keep progressing in the draw. You have Caroline Wozniak, the champion. Then you have young Coco Golf, youthful optimism. It's just incredible how moments of adversity bring out your personality and what you do well. There are a lot of ways to signify greatness and winning 23 majors certainly will qualify. Novak Djokovic is the most accomplished player in the history of the men's game. Well, there's nothing like New York bagels. English fiance producing more than Murray's and Russian daughters combined right now. We are dialed in. It's going to be a beautiful day in New York City at the U.S. Open. Welcome to TC Live at the U.S. Open, our two-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball on this Sunday fun day in New York. As we enter the unofficial end of summer, folks are having to choose between one last party in the Hamptons or celebrating the greatest tennis players in their last major dance of the year. With Labor Day looming, there is still much work to be done. An incredible lineup inside Arthur Ashe Stadium, starting with the all-American battle between Tommy Paul and Ben Shelton, then a generational clash with Coco Goff and Caroline Wozniacki. The night session begins with three-time champ Novak Djokovic and ends with top seed Iga Sviantec going for her first win against Yelena Ostapenko. On Louis Armstrong, Carolina Mukova trying to make her first quarterfinal in New York, followed by a rematch from last year's Open between Belinda Bencic and Serana Kirstea. Top-ranked American men Francis Tiafo and Taylor Fritz going back-to-back -to, -back to finish play. The aforementioned Swiss star Belinda Bencic coming onto site. U.S. Open, the only major where she has reached the quarterfinals, wants to do it. For the fourth time, in fact, she's made the Final Four here once. And how about Benny Schultz, Ben Shelton? A little double duty today. Singles against TP and then mixed doubles with Taylor Townsend. If he wins, cracks the top 30 for the first time in his career. Come on into our studios. The squad back with you. Steve Weissman, Chanda Rubin, Paul Anacone, and John Wertheim. It's a Sunday on the holiday weekend, so happy to have you here with us. First quarterfinal spots on the line. We have made it all the way to day seven. So, Paul, who has surprised you the most? I think I'm going to have to lean with Jack Draper. Okay. Uh, there's been so many big surprises um, and fun surprises. But for Jack Draper, it's been a little bittersweet because we've seen so much promise, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So to see him play this many matches, stay healthy, three to five sets, a bunch of big wins without having a lot of match reps, I think he's played five matches coming into this, five complete matches coming into this since Roland Garros. So he's struggled. Awesome talent, good kid, big lefty game. So nice to see him playing well. Jack Draper. I mean, we got four guys ranked outside the top 100 that have made the final 16. A lot of surprises. 
Uh, I'll go on the website. side. Biggest surprise. How about, uh, how about Peyton Stearns, three-time All-American at the University of Texas? She'll now be in the top 50. She's into week two. This is See It to Be It. Grew up in the shadow of the Cincinnati event and uh, took up tennis. Look where she is now, 21 years old and uh, a player on the ascent. College tennis, segue. Yeah, I mean, you know, who, raise your hand if you had Rinky Hijikata into the fourth round with a chance to play <laughs> Francis Tiafo for a quarterfinal spot in the U.S. Open, and he also uh, went the college route. And so, you know, there's a lot of inspiration there. I mean, this is a guy who, just 22 years of age, won the Australian Open doubles title mm -hmm. earlier this year. That's been a jumping-off point for his singles uh, career. Got the wild card into the U.S. Open, and he is making good on it. He's been a terrific, fun player to watch. I think it'll be a tough one against Tiafo, but what an opportunity for him into the fourth round. We'll, we'll shout out North Carolina, Texas, and how about Borna Gojo as well, Wake Forest. A lot of college ties making the final 16, and let's reset maybe the biggest milestone that is still at stake here. Novak Djokovic, four wins away from his 24th major singles title. That would match Mark Record for the most all time. He told us in Paris, John, that he wanted the Grand Slam. Didn't get that, but this would be a nice little consolation. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's so funny that for years and years and years, this whole goat race and the race to 24 is sort of the big tennis story. And now he is a few steps away from getting there and tying Margaret Court. Probably should be talking about it more. This would also, of course, put him two beyond Rafa Nadal with 22 majors. But, uh, yeah, we are on the cusp of history. There's a guy named Alcaraz who stands in the way. But uh, Novak is very close to tying Margaret Court. He said, after coming back from two sets down in his last match, that coming back from two sets always sends a strong message to future opponents. You picked Novak at the start. Is he still your favorite? As if he didn't send enough messages to opponents, Steve, <laughs> right. with the way he's been playing, with the tournaments he's won, the matches he's uh, come back in, but he's got to keep doing it. I think it's just tough to bet against Novak Djokovic when you consider the experience, when you consider the titles, the big titles he has under his belt, the way he plays, his ability to just lock in in a match and, you know, not miss and turn things around. We saw it when he came back from two sets to love down. Uh, so it's just tough to bet against him. And we were kind of looking at, you know, that Alcaraz-Djokovic mm -hmm. potential final, but maybe it's an Alcaraz-Fritz potential final. I mean, look. Mm. Hey. Look at Chandler flowing that You never know. You never know. Huh? You never know. But, you know, it's just terrific to see this great champion continue to put it out there and, and you know, just give us the joy to watch him. Carlos said himself, he was like, I went to bed. He was down to say, I knew he was going to come back. I think we all knew he was going to come back at, at that point, Paul. And his path to the final, well, it's not going to be easy and potentially, as Chanda said, could meet Taylor Fritz in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think he'd be happy with how it looks right now. But, look, these great players are there for a reason. They live in the moment. They understand anything's possible. They know that they should win. They probably will win, but they can lose. And so when you look at these names, Borna Gojo, Taylor Fritz, potentially uh, Foe or Tommy Paul, he knows that there's still work to be done, but he has been here so many times. And for me, at this stage of a tournament, when you're healthy, experience is so valuable. You know what to do. You know what to trust. And I think the great players have that default mode because of all that experience that in the big moment, they hit the button and they've been there, they've done it. Mm. It seems more normal to them. And that is hugely valuable. And another record is still at stake. He would be the first man to win three of the four majors in the same year. 
four different times. Incredible. All right. He's good. Yeah. Good tennis player. He's, he's decent at the sport of tennis. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz, he's good too. Now we've got his highlights on the way. Carlitos had some incredible shots against Dan Evans, but would the best make our hot shot of the day? Plus our friend and colleague Andrea Petkovic stopping by for a little little dance moves and, and maybe even her opinion on the WTA Finals location. And John Wertheim gives a TED Talk on technology and tennis. Uh, we promise it is the real John, not an AI version. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Point, the official racket sports retailer of the ATP Tour. Taxi, head on over to Queens. Chan to John Paul Steve back on TC Live, leading up to first ball on this Sunday in New York City. Back to the highlights from yesterday. Arena Sabalenka, Clara Burrell meeting in the third round of the U.S. Open. For the second straight year, Chanda, uh, Burrell failed to win any more games, but Sabalenka was more efficient in court time. Yeah, and this was again a bit of a mismatch with Sabalenka hitting winners from just about every position in the court. That was the backhand volley. She'd do it off the forehand side. Of course, we know how big Sabalenka can serve. And it was tough for Burrell to find any openings in this match. Sabalenka looked terrific from the start, and she didn't let up. And that's been a big change in the Sabalenka game this season when she's been playing her best. She has that ability now to lock in, hit with more margin. That point, the depth doing the damage and showing some nice court coverage as well. Burrell not covering her line. Sabalenka taking advantage with just that little additional space, and that was all she needed. So a very clean and tidy one and one win. 21 winners for Sabalenka. Keeps herself in the mix for world number one. Then we have the rematch from the D.C. quarterfinals. Jesse Pagula, Alina Svitolina would once again, Chanda, go the distance. Yeah, I mean, this match, we were looking forward to the battle. Svitolina coming back. Just April this year playing in her first events. Terrific, the type of tennis she is already playing. But Pagula, one of the most solid players on tour the last couple of years. And she really showed that confidence, getting the first set tucked away with beautiful backhand winners. But Svitolina would make a match of this. Her court coverage, the defense, finding the line off the forehand. She had a number of winners in this second set that allowed her to get it to the third. And that's part of the aggressive tennis we're seeing in the Svitolina game now. But in this third set, right here, round two all, it was where Pagula made her move. The good anticipation there. Easy pickings with the volley sitting up from Svitolina. And in the end, Pagula just showing a little bit more of the class she's shown over the last season or two. Winning big titles gets another big win. Back in the fourth round at the U.S. Open, explaining how she got that break in the final set. Take a listen. I felt like if I could keep pressuring her with my returns, that I could get her serve to break down, or maybe I would get a double fault, or maybe I could hit a good return where she'd feel pressure on the first ball. And that's, I think, more or less like what happened a couple times in that game. And I, I just started, I think, finding my range on my returns and hitting some good shots and feeling like I was gaining momentum. And... Um, I just wanted to keep trying to play aggressive and keep pressuring her and not let her, you know, hit out or hit free or um, feel like she was in control. 
Listen, Jessie is in the round of 16 in singles, in doubles, in mixed. She has played 103 matches this year, more than any other woman on tour. How was she able to get through Svitolina yesterday? She is so professional, and there is no waste. We talk about her playing in all three events. Well, why is she able to do that? One reason is she is so efficient, and she's so put together. And you see that point-to-point. You also see that big picture as well. She doesn't waste energy on drama. She doesn't waste energy on the court. And she just was able to battle through, and that's what she does. She's not going to end up on our hot shots, and she's not going to say anything outrageous or wear anything outrageous. She just comes to work. She gets her work done. She moves on to her next match, and she gets through another battle. And she's an amazing player. I, you know, she's played so much tennis and, and so difficult to weigh what emotional energy takes out of you. And one of my questions that I'm going to put Chand on the spot with is, mm. should she play all three events all the time in these majors? Could that have any bearing on how well she's prepared in these big matches and round the 16s and quarters to break through to the next level? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe that's something she has to consider as she looks to make the breakthrough, trying to get to her first major semifinal, maybe she looks at, you know, not playing all three, but she doesn't like to practice as much. She'd rather be on the match court. Mm -hmm. She talks about that on her off days. So I can kind of understand it. If you're healthy, it's a lot of fun to play doubles and mix as well. She's asked about it all the time. Yeah. And right. she says, I love playing. <laughs> and I like to compete on my off days. And that's how I get my practice. And it just works for her. Tough to measure right. the mental drain. And doesn't mental the player matter, too? I mean, not often we see a third seed in singles playing mixed doubles. But the fact that she's so mature and you don't get the feeling she's taking these decisions lightly, I think she gets extra grace there. People question because of that lack of a semifinal, but once she gets there, that'll answer all the questions. So maybe that happens this year in New York. Over on the men's side, the returning men's champion, Carlos Alcaraz, facing a seed for the first time this week, Paul. Dan Evans would be his toughest test. Oh boy, the riddle that is Carlos Alcaraz is beginning, becoming more and more difficult to solve. What a great start. He was so difficult from the beginning and these guys two of the best movers and athletes on tour look at the movement we, we see throughout this match the gets uh, one of the biggest things dan evans slice to offense variety to offense look at the little tweener here running and Carlos Alcaraz says, keep running. Alcaraz was just amazing. But why didn't the variety to offense work for Dan Evans? Why was there that much frustration? Alcaraz is so adept at all the different areas. This is why it didn't work. He gets past here, guys. But I tell you what, Alcaraz, 45 of 57 net approaches. That's what a complete game does to someone that just uses variation. Evans played a heck of a match to win the third set. But this man is just incredible. He has all the answers, so many options, and most impressively, knows which path to take at each moment, it seems. 60 winners, more than double that of Evans, gets Matteo Arnaldi next. The Italian upset Cam Nori. How about the 2021 champ, Daniil Medvedev, playing deep into the night against Sebastian Baez and looking to break the Argentines' 12-match win streak, Paul. Yeah, Baez has been playing some terrific tennis. The biggest problem for Baez is the serve. He basically 
won just about 50% of his serve points. And if it's that much of a struggle to win points on your serve against Medvedev, it is going to be a long night. And that's how it started. And that's how it ended up. Medvedev controlling from the back of the court. Baez tried to use the forehand to create discomfort. But when Medvedev gets up to the baseline like he did in that point and uses more offense, he's even more difficult to deal with. Nice little attempt here. But look at Medvedev coming forward, overhead, couple of defensive plays then this Daniel with a little bit of touch and a lot of talent boy he was impressive 6-2 6-2 got the crowd into it and here closes it out with an ace and as always Medvedev is fun to watch and maybe sometimes even more fun to listen to <laughs> oftentimes fun to listen to we will hear from Daniil Medvedev and his post-match comments later in the show uh, John, 16 years in age, separates Stan Pavranka, Yannick Sinner, but three major titles separate them as well. Young Italian hoping to change that. Yeah, listen to the crowd here. Stan Pavranka, 38 years old, former champion, and he's become a real crowd favorite. This was a fun, tight match, as we suspected it would be. A test for Sinner. This is a different kind of opponent than he's used to playing. Stan takes... The second set gets that crowd involved, but Sinner does a nice job of resetting. Sinner had that, that disappointment at Wimbledon. Since then, though, he's been terrific. Look at this touch. One of 21 points. That's almost an entire set he won at the net. Sinner had won in Toronto, biggest title of his career, about a month ago, and he was great yesterday. Uh, this could have been a lot more complicated than it was, but he got a break in the fourth set, and then against the very game, Stan Wawrinka. Uh, Sinner had to play well, and he did play well. He moves on. 21 of 26 at net. It is all Gucci for Yannick Sinner, who met the Karota boys yesterday for Finally. the first time. They were in attendance, took their selfie, uh, and they will stay to root on their guy. Former finals Madison Keys setting a major milestone in New York. We'll tell you how she's keeping it 100 in more than one way. Back on TC Live, a reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and more. It is available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Well, Yannick Sinner awaiting the winner of this match between Alexander Zverev and Grigor Dimitrov, Paul. And it was Dimitrov looking good early. I'll tell you what, this was an extremely high level of tennis. First set tiebreak. Look at the beautiful one-hander from Grigor Dimitrov. Got off to a huge lead in the tiebreak, which helped tons. How about some talent right here? The running forehand, no, just wide, in, out. They call it out. Grigor says, please make the width of that line a little bit more. But didn't matter. Won that first set in a tiebreak and a war in the second set tiebreak. Grigor Dimitrov right here. Really? That should have been hit a little bit harder. Wasn't able to convert on two set points to go up two sets to love. And that one, ouch, goes in the net. Has to go off the court for a little bit of uh, some physical issues. And then it was all Zverev. Folks, the big problem is that man right there got to the net 48 times. And Grigor Dimitrov, guys, only got to net 31 times. I'm still scratching my head. He's so great up at the net. Just couldn't get there enough. And Zverev toughed him out. But Grigor Dimitrov, remember, got past the first round. Saved three match points. Mm-hmm. Good tournament. Zverev going to meet Sinner for the fifth time. Uh, first match of the night session on Ash. Aljabur, Marie Boskova. This one really took us on a roller coaster of emotions, John. 
Yeah, match between two seeds. Uskova's got a lot of talent. Uskova hasn't been feeling her best. At the same time, she's the only player in women's tennis to win, to, to reach the final of three of the last five majors. Uskova goes off the court for an injury, a bit of a thigh injury. That was after winning the first set. And look here in the tiebreak. She was two points from winning this match. But on said, not so fast, literally and figuratively. Could this be right? 56 winners for Ansgerberg. Um, and only one of them went an eight. This has to be 218 points and only one ace the entire match. By the third set, it was all odds. You had the feeling that if Boscova was going to win this, it had to be in straight sets. In part, you see, she is compromised uh, in terms of mobility. Ansgerberg, not the player you want to face when you're having a tough time moving because she finds spots on the court and has that sadistic drop shot. This ended up being a very nice win for Anster Burr. She was in some real trouble, extricated herself, and now she's on to yet another week two of a major. Sadistic, extricated. You're getting a vocab lesson this morning with Wertham. A power tennis on display between Madison Keys and Ludmila Samsonovichanda. The American would need a comeback here. Yeah, this was pretty straightforward, though, compared to the Onstaburr match. The firepower from both players, no shortage. And in the first set, it was Samsonova, along with the firepower, finding the lob. She got it done, got the early advantage. But Madison Keys has played some terrific tennis and was up for a comeback. The backhand there, that's been a big weapon. We know how big she can hit the forehand. But she's been doing it off both sides. The running forehand there to get herself a second set. And she had that momentum going into the third and used it. He's getting up to the net. She was 7 of 12. And those were huge plays and some big moments. And down the stretch, it was he's just a little more solid along with the firepower. A terrific three-set win. 100th Grand Slam match win for Maddie Keys at the same place where she won her very first major match. As we take a look at the draw, Sweet 16 all set. Madison Keys going to be playing her fellow United Cup teammate, Jesse Pagula. What's going on on the thread? Well, Keys talking about playing Jesse next. Jess probably plays a little bit flatter than I do, um, but I think. Maybe if I have the advantage in the serve, she has the advantage in the return. So, uh, you know, I think we kind of are opposites a little bit. But, um, I mean, she's been playing some amazing tennis the past few years. And it's, I mean, it's going to be a really difficult match. Only played once before in San Diego last year. Jesse got the win there. What's, what's going to be the biggest factor in this match, Paul? I think it's about how consistent Madison can be. She's got more firepower. She can hurt anybody at any given moment. And if she plays disciplined, smart tennis and creates enough margin and gets a good court position, she's got the power to finish. But, you know, she mentioned it. Jesse Pagula, one of the smartest players on tour, knows exactly how to exploit any weakness that you may show. So unforced error count is going to be important for Madison. Yeah, I think one of the most important parts uh, for a big hitter is being able to get forward into the net, especially against an opponent who can anticipate, 
who can be so clean from the ground, who is so solid in, as Jesse Pagula is. So I think for Madison Keys, obviously the serve, that's her big weapon. That's an area where she can take over um, and really make her road a lot easier. But she's got to get forward with the consistency you mentioned, Paul. She's been doing that, but she's got to up it to another level here. What will happen to Madison's targets and her margins when Jesse Pagula does what she often does, which is frustrate and plays a bit of sort of pesky tennis and makes us just anticipates really well. Uh, no, Madison Keys has the power, the sheer power to beat anyone and is a former finalist here. I just wonder what happens in those moments of the match when she gets frustrated. The good news, we're guaranteed an American in the quarterfinals. There you go. Either way, with Jesse and Maddie. That one's tomorrow. we got some big matches to preview today. Speaking of being guaranteed an American in the quarterfinals, Tommy Paul, Ben Shelton. It's a rematch of the Australian Open quarterfinals, TP1. Uh, what's going to make the difference in this match, Paul? First serve percentage for Ben Shelton. I think he has to serve a really high percentage of first serves. And, look, I've been so impressed with Tommy Paul and his ability to actually really learn how to think his way through matches when he doesn't play great tennis. Tip of the cap to Brad Stein and Tommy for working so hard to figure out how to use all those massive athletic skills. Ben Shelton, huge power we know. But... That first serve percentage is going to be key for Ben. Mm. Yeah, and I also think, you know, there's a big difference now in the experience of Ben Shelton. I mean, even from, you know, early this year, the Australian Open, the belief that's there. You know, this is a match. He can understand a little bit more of what to expect, what he needs to do, whether he can execute is going to be the question. Tommy Paul has been so terrific, especially from the ground, and being able to transition himself from defense to offense, get inside the court. I think that's going to be a key for, for Paul over the course of this match. But it should be a fun one. Slightly contrasting styles, but I'm looking for both players to try to be as aggressive as possible. There's a warmth, there's a friendship, but there's also this generational pride. It can't be fun to have this 20-year-old kid suddenly try to take me out of a major. I think they'll both draw on that match in Australia. Best of five match, hard court, a good match, but the veteran player, Tommy Paul, won that one. I think he wins this one, too. Keep an eye out for young Eddie on the sidelines. Eddie. Eddie. Could be the Eddie. difference for <laughs> Tommy Paul in this match. Uh, Coco Goff said she wished when Caroline Wozniacki retired. Wished I got a chance to play her. She gets her wish, Chanda. A lot of athleticism on the court in this one. How do you see it going? A lot of athleticism, a lot of incredible defense and movement. Also, you know, having the wheels to go the distance, two out of three sets. I mean, this is going to, I think, go down to the wire in terms of, you know, how tight the sets will be. Golf, I give the advantage to, obviously, has just got more tennis under her belt of late, and she has been playing some inspired tennis hitting the forehand much bigger that is going to be critical the battle of backhands that's going to be an interesting one because both of these players favor that shot can golf be a little more explosive can she use a little more of her athleticism inside the court getting to the net it's not easy to do against Wozniacki but I think that's going to be a key for her as well yeah the athleticism and power of Coco Golf I think may be a little bit too much for the great uh, counterpunching skills of Cairo. She's done a great job, but I think a little too much firepower from Coco. Um, but you never know. We saw what Caro did when she was down a set and a break against Jen Brady, went into lockdown mode, and, man, that's not fun when you're on the other side of the net. Right. Wozniacki got her first top ten win when Coco was three years old. We'll go for uh, number 62 against Coco Goff. And then we got a rematch from last year at the U.S. Open between Serana Kristea, uh, Belinda Bencic. It was Bencic that won last year's match, but 2-1 head-to-head for Kristea, John. Uh, how do their games match up? Yeah, th this is kind of a pick-up. Uh, 2-1, two, two as you say, for Kristea head-to-head, but yes, they did play a year ago on hardcore. Bencic won that match. I, You know, Bencic is such a reactive player, and 
you know, Kersaya brings the power. So this is a nice offense-defense contrast. Benchich has played well at the U.S. Open, tends to underachieve at majors. This is the one that she doesn't. I think she's a slight favorite. Yeah, I give Benchich the slight favorite in this as well. The key, and I think the question, is really the serving of Benchich. Can she get enough first serves in? Can she move the serve around the box? Kersaya is such a terrific returner, and she's been stepping in, looking to be more aggressive. She can apply pressure in that department, and on these courts, that style works. So can Benchich open up the court enough and use her serve the way she needs to? With Simona Halep out, it's Serana Kirstea yeah, kind of carrying the flag for Romania. Should be some good matches. we got more match previews still to come later on TC Live on this Sunday as we lead up to all the action. The four of us with you every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, your only pregame show for the U.S. Open leading up to coverage today on ESPN at 11 a.m. Eastern. More TC Live after a quick break. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Can Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, and Team World repeat as Labor Cup champs this year? They'll take on Stefano Tsitsipas, Casper Ruud, and Team Europe in Vancouver, Canada. Don't miss Tennis Channel's exclusive live coverage of the three-day event beginning Friday, September 22nd. Well, we are leading up to first ball this Sunday in New York, and USOpen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at USOpen.org today. Steve Weissman back with you in our US Open studios, and for the first time in nearly 40 years, a men's and women's NCAA singles champion has made the fourth round in New York. Florida's Ben Shelton and Peyton Stearns of Texas continue to prove there is a successful pathway from college to the pros. For a look at today's forecast, here is Fox Weather. Good morning, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather meteorologist Mike Lestman. Here's today's U.S. Open forecast. Looks great. A pocket full of sunshine. Temperatures in the upper 80s. You can stream Fox Weather on your favorite connected TV device like Samsung TV plus Channel 1010. Always on, always free. All right, coming up, a look at the evolution of tennis technology from wood rackets to real lines people and graphite to AI. John Wertheim goes to infinity and beyond next. We talk in sports about unstoppable forces. Serena, Rafa, Novak, the real unstoppable force, technology. Speed doesn't tend to throttle down. Over the long haul, bandwidth doesn't narrow. Weight doesn't tend to go up. 
technology has made its mark on tennis. We have string technology and racket technology. Equipment from a few decades ago now looks laughably obsolete. The equivalent of caveman clubs. Can you believe this guy had a job? Sensor technology put him out of work. Earlier this century, tennis got replay technology, and players lodged challenges for close calls. That's now obsolete, replaced by AI technology. That, again with a job loss, has made line judges an extinct species. This July, Wimbledon even used AI for match highlights. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. You can argue that all this technology bleaches some color from the sport. Not sure over here. You can't argue that it's not improved accuracy and fairness. How far will technology keep marching? Farther, to be sure. It's easy to envision the use of replay to confirm double bounces. Footballs. He hit the ball and then he called football. Players swinging ever lighter and more aerodynamic sticks, taking in data and monitoring health like never before. But there are limits here. It's hard to conceive of robots hitting a 120 mile an hour kicker, or knocking off a touch volley, or hitting a tweener, or this. Or providing the humanity, the humanity that makes sports so compelling. The imperfection is part of the appeal, and in this fundamental way, tennis is technology proof. So we might arrive to matches in flying cars, but we'll be there. We might be wearing virtual reality headsets, but we'll still be watching. And our rackets might weigh less than fly swatters, even accounting for the embedded chips that give us real-time data. But we'll still be playing. Well, tennis was was so far ahead in terms of the electronic line calling into all sports, but finally caught up with the rudimentary video review. So kudos to the USDA for for getting on that. Well, what do you think has been the most impactful piece of technology to change the game? Well, I, I think the biggest thing has been in the conglomeration of all of them coming together, all, all the different technical things, the rackets, strings. Um, all, all the stuff that's happened kind of simultaneously within a few years, and now you throw in this kind of technology to oversee and govern, makes it actually a more precise game. But uh, you know, we don't have as many arguments with the umpires.、Mm-hmm. Things are becoming more scientific, which I think is really interesting because there's a balance between art and science. You have to use the feels as well to figure out some of the other stuff as players. So, the most successful people do it all well, but it's fun to watch the progression. Don't tell Ostapenko that because she's arguing with the computers no, no, and the technology, no matter what.、So、the players are going to argue with something. They're not going to be happy either way.、Uh, what, what more would you like to see, Chanda? What, what other improvements? I mean, it's difficult to kind of anticipate what more. Improvements that there'll be. I mean, the electronic line calling was huge when that was implemented, and you know, at that point, maybe even a few years before, I was still playing in the、mm-hmm. dark ages, Steve, and it didn't seem like we were going to get there this quickly,、um, as quickly as we did get there. I think the data that players have access to, that the teams have access to now, that's been a huge、uh, game changer, where you can kind of tell where players are serving on big points and what their preferences are, where their the weaknesses are, and you can try to use. That to tailor your game—that's、uh, a, a big thing, and I think that will continue to be used by more and more players、um, as they 
have more access to it. So, uh, but it'll be interesting to see the continued changes that this technology brings. It's funny. Tennis is sometimes seen as this tradition-bound sport that doesn't do change well. And I think other sports have looked to tennis. Uh, video review, as you say, Steve, and also sort of un unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the, the phasing out of human error. And, uh, you know, you, you will notice there are not a lot of line judges orbiting the court the way the, there used to be. I'm curious from a coaching perspective how players and coaches are using this technology. There is so much available, so much of the, dirt, the data is dirty. I mean, it doesn't tell you as much as you think it does. But I'm curious from a coach standpoint how you use technology. Well, you, you have to put the why behind the numbers. You know, numbers in and of themselves can be very misleading. You have to figure out why it happens, what time of the match it happens, and what are the other circumstances that make it happen. So a 62% success rate on second serves, okay, that's great. But what happens on the big points, 15, 30, 30, you know, and, and why does that happen? The one other caveat to this stuff is the one thing that I would really like to see done is some scientific process to set up so that the balls are more uniformed. The mm -hmm. balls uh, in terms of weight, in terms of uh, how they play. And the problem is when you throw different balls on different surfaces, it really makes it problematic for the players and I think causes potential injuries, makes it really difficult for the players to figure out what to do with rackets and string mm. tension. So if there's some formula that could be put together to make the balls and court speed so that they work together to set up the right yeah. environment, that would be great. Well, that's a tournament thing, though, right? Because they have the spawn. The rights, yeah. They've yeah. got the rights to sell the ball rights, and then the court surface, you know, someone's going to do lake hold, someone's going to do green yeah. set, some, you know. So you have to... I, I'd like to see that figured out at least through segments of the year so that it's a little more uniform. Do you think, right? Paul, that there should be more of an emphasis on court surfaces? Because now tournaments can kind of decide, mm -hmm. you know, when they resurface, how quickly or how slow they make these courts and how the surface plays which has a big impact on what you're talking about. hundred percent. I mean, you look at what's happened in the last three weeks. Lakehold in Toronto with the Wilson ball played totally different than green set in Cincinnati with the Wilson ball. And now we're back to Lakehold here at the U.S. Open with the Wilson ball. And if you talk to the players, they're going to say, why was everything so different? Mm -hmm. And so there's, a, there's some stuff to figure out. And with all this great technology that you talked about in this piece, John, I think it would be really well thought out and a great idea to figure out how to make it a little bit more more uniformed, and maybe periodized to the biggest tournaments during that segment right. of the year. Maybe I'm a traditionalist that just likes the fact that tennis is different and has the different surfaces and players I, I, have to I agree with you, Steve, but I'm just saying in different segments of the year. Yeah. So like the last four weeks leading into the U.S. Open, and now we have the indoor season leading into the year-end championships. You know, those segments can all be different. Standard. But within those segments, when you mix and match with different balls, you go from Dunlop to Technofiber to Wilson to Penn to this to that, the players are like, okay, what do I do with my rackets? What do I do with this? And then all of a sudden, you see a lot more variance and in the worst-case scenario, you see some injuries, yeah. which is what we don't want to see. We, we definitely don't want to see that. Uh, follow the money, and that'll get you some answers with that. Of course, there is no replacing commentators like Andrea Petkovic because AI cannot replicate her brain and what she provides ever. We'll catch up with the former Top Ten star next, see who has surprised her so far in New York. Welcome back to TC Live. It has been a busy week in New York for our colleague Andrea Petkovic, the former U.S. Open quarterfinalist, was at the WTA 50th anniversary gala. And then, of course, with her team at Tennis Channel, our own Ken Solomon there ringing the bell at the NASDAQ. 
just want you to know, NASDAQ was up about 200 points that day when Petco was there to kick it off. And now we welcome Andrea Petkovic with us here on TC Lab. Great to see you, Andrea. Hello, everyone. And I just realized I have exactly the same top on in uh, one of the photos you just showed. I swear <laughs> I have other clothes. <laughs> That's true. Right. That's true. You only brought uh, one shirt to we, New York. We, we, won't we won't tell anyone. It's okay. It's our secret. <laughs> it's versatile. You can wear it anywhere. I would have never known, but thanks for pointing that out. Uh, it's the weekend, first weekend at the U.S. Open, Andrea. A lot of great stories, but we've got a blockbuster match between Coco Goff and Caroline Wozniacki. What do you make of that one? Oh, I'm so excited for that. I saw both of their matches yesterday. I saw Caroline's in person in the stadium. And in that last set and a half, she was zoning so hard. I don't think that girl missed a ball in a set in, I don't know, 20 minutes. It was absolutely insane. And the same really goes for Coco Goff. After she, she spotted Justin Bieber, she went into full concentration mood, full uh, intensity. And, uh, and was just firing on all cylinders. So what I'm very sure of, we will have long rallies and we will have a lot of tennis to witness. I'm really excited for that matchup. Leaving the, the Bieber factor notwithstanding, because we don't know what his travel schedule <laughs> is, uh, whether he stays or whether he goes back to Canada or whatever. Um, do we think that Coco's capable of winning this event? I mean, she, she plays Iga, likely if she can get by Caro. Do, do we think this could be the, the time and place for her first major? Well, um, Steve and me actually talked about this right before I did head to, to New York. And I was, I was saying I don't want to put that pressure on her. Now, obviously, her reaching the second week, the talk has raised. Um, I, I do think I 100% believe she can win. Will she win? It was a lot. I know she's coming in with a lot of wins and she's very young and she has a lot of energy, but she won two big events. She won her, won her first 1,000 Masters events. She had a few tough matches here. Will it last till the end? Will it suffice until the end? I'm not sure that, it's this, that this is her event, but I'm 100% sure that she is capable of winning a major and I'm 100% sure that she's capable of winning a major very, very soon. I still stand by my theory that the French Open will be her first. Mm -hmm. But why not here? The magic in New York, you can feel it in the air. It's electrifying. And if the magic doesn't push you over the, the finish line, I don't know what will. Good point. Let, let's talk about the player on the other side of the net. You are a recent retiree. So is Carolyn Wozniacki, except she's back. And I don't know if you heard. Carolyn even said, I don't know if Maria's watching. Maybe she wants to think about a comeback. Can, can you talk just a little bit about the decision of when to end a career, when to restart a career, and when you know that you've emptied the bucket versus when you know you might have some good tennis left in you? Well, I think there is a huge difference between somebody like me retiring and somebody retiring in order to get something out of your way or get something in your way, rather, that is, um, that is limited due to biological reasons, right? If you want to have family, if you want to have kids, for a woman, you have to do it at a certain time in your life. You don't have your entire lifetime. And I think there is a big difference. I was 35, 36 when I retired. I was going through the whole phase of letting something go, of being done with tennis. So I'm definitely not coming back. But for somebody like Caroline, for somebody like Elena Svitolina, they wanted family. So they had to make a choice. It was more a choice than a decision 
you know, uh, rather than a decision of letting something be in the past, it was a choice between do I want a family or do I want to play tennis? And she's made her choice and she realized for herself that she can still do the other thing, that it wasn't a choice, that she still can do both. And she came back and you can just see that she um, is ready physically, mentally, emotionally. You can just see it on the court. She's ready to run until tomorrow. And I loved one tweet by Andy Roddick yesterday where he said that Caroline just never, um, she's never bothered by pain. And that is such a true statement. You can just see it. She doesn't mind the rallies going over 20, 30, 40 shots, humidity, heat. All those things don't matter to her. And you can see it on court. You can see it in her face. And it's such a great story of her coming back. Uh, it is so inspiring, Andrea. We, we talked a little bit about Coco, her chances. Obviously, Iga's the returning champ, Caroline Wozniacki. Who has surprised you in the U.S. Open thus far? I have to say, I called yesterday the Townsend-Mukova match, and both of the players have surprised me. Not really surprised me, but just inspired me. Taylor played such a great first set, played an incredible match with Billie Jean King atmosphere on court 17 against uh, against Beatrice Haddad-Mai. A lot of Brazilian fans in the stands, a lot of American fans in the stands. That was really one of my favorite matches so far. Uh, and then also Carolina yesterday, she remained so calm, so composed, played so well. She always flies a bit under the radar, Carolina Mukova, and she really shouldn't. So I will take these two players. Let's go off the court. One of the most pitched battles this tournament, one of the most intense competitions, uh, not on the court, but in the boardroom where the WTA is deciding where to hold their final. It looked like it would be Saudi Arabia. Now it looks like this might be swinging back to the Czech Republic. Do, do you have thoughts and uh, what, what do you make of this whole debate and discussion? Oh, well, this is a this has been a discussion floating behind the scenes in New York. A lot of people talking about it. A lot of opinions also bouncing up and down in the in the locker rooms. I assume I'm not in the locker room, but just bouncing up and down in the in the broadcaster booths and in the broadcaster rooms. And um, I do. I personally think they should give it to Prague. I think this is the better choice. Hearing the background of both countries offering the exact same money, but I did talk to a few players and. You just have to always remind yourself that it's really hard on the WTA Tour. There are not as many tournaments as on the ATP. There is by far not as much prize money as on the ATP. So the choice is a bit different than it would be on the ATP Tour. And there is more at stake for, uh, for the women's tennis players. So it's a lot of back and forth. And I hope it goes to the Czech Republic with obviously all the Russian and Belarusian players hopefully have been able to, to play. Um, but, but I can just tell you from being around that this is something that's been talked about a lot over the last course of the week. Yeah, a lot of levels to the conversation, a lot of nuance there. Andrea, it is always great to see you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. And enjoy week two at the U.S. Open. I will. I'm so sad I can't be with you guys. I miss you. I hope you are doing well. And I'll see you very soon. Who's better than Andrea? Players getting limber, getting ready to go. This is, this is like, do other sport athletes do this, or is just tennis players that do that sort of thing? Everybody yeah. does. Everybody does that? Thomas yeah. Johansson does that uh, yeah. across the board. Thomas Johansson plays tennis. Yeah. No, I'm talking about, like, other sports. I don't know. Are basketball players doing that? Sure, why not? Yeah, bands. Yeah. Uh, highlights from the Demon. Straight ahead.
Paul Chanda, John Steve back on TC Live. Reminder that the Tennis Shop, powered by Tennis Point, is the new online store featuring the latest apparel and equipment. Scan the QR code on your screen. Talk about technology. Or visit TennisShop.com today to search a wide selection of brands and get the very same gear as your favorite pros. Maybe even the same bag or racket as one Layla Fernandez coming on site today. She played great with Taylor Townsend. What a, what a great doubles match that was yesterday on Court 17. They are in action today against Karolina Pliskova and Donna Vekic. Very entertaining duo. Be sure to check that out when you're watching the matches today. Former finalist in singles as well. Uh, the Wimbledon champ, Marketa Vondrosova and Ekaterina Alexandrova both had their best results in London, John, and both looking to do the same here in New York. Speaking of lefties after Layla Fernandez, you know what's no good for tennis when a player wins a major in surprising fashion and then doesn't back it up, but Marketa Vondrosova fresh from winning the Wimbledon title, has looked terrific here so far. Um, last five years, she won two matches at the U.S. Open. Uh, no longer, because she has... I mean, she's winning without barely dropping games. I mean, yesterday, 6-2-6-1, listen to this. She had six unforced errors the entire match. 94 points, six unforced errors. Playing quality opponent, another seed, only seeded 13 spots higher. And this was all... She's got the Wimbledon tattoo, and she is fixing perhaps for another one. She's now won uh, 10 straight matches at majors and into week two for the second straight one. Good for her. Alexandrova is a top 10 server when it comes to holding. Uh, she broke her six of seven service games. Incredible. Daria Kazakina, she needed comebacks in her first two matches, Chanda, but much more straightforward against Greet Minnan. Yeah, Kazakina... Again, just played a more aggressive brand of tennis when she needed to. She's the type of player that can sit back, that can defend, that can weave her rallies, uh, but was able to take that first set. In the second, though, Greet Menon showed some flashes. This is the player who beat Venus Williams in the first round. That is not easy to do under any circumstances at a major. And Katsikina had to pull out all of the stops to get through. The second set of this match would have 21 winners over the course of the match. That was another one, and it gets her the victory in straight sets. Back in the fourth round of the U.S. Open for the first time since 2017. She will face Arena Sabalenka next. Uh, Andre Rublev belongs in the Louvre. Looking to win his ninth straight match against players from France, Paul. And third in a row here, facing Arthur Rinderknecht. Yeah, but that didn't get him off to a good start right there. Rinderknecht breaks serve and used the big power game to get the first set under his belt. And for Rublev, so much fun to watch him when he regroups. This guy can get on the baseline, steal time like no one else. Fast hands, fast racket speed, and that's exactly what he did after the first set. Dictating play, returning serve well. Look at the aggressive pass there. Did a really nice job trying to regain control after that bumpy start. And boy, did he do that. Three and one the next two sets. And uh, just got more solid, stuck with his game. Third set got close again, but then right here seals the deal with an aggressive down-the-line pass. Tough first set, and that man comes through in fashion after the first little speed bump. Love that reaction from Andre. No more French players for him to face. Jack Draper up next for Andre Rublev. Let's take a look at the draw. Sweet 16, all set. And we are still potentially on track for the third straight major meeting between Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic. Still to come on the show, Peyton Stearns continues her quick rise with a piece of college tennis history. We'll tell you about that 
the former Longhorn. Plus, Topsy Diga's fiance about to face her toughest opponent ever. Will she finally break the Ostapenko curse? And we will hear from Taylor Fritz in our warm and fuzzy segment with Michael Costa. Crack Rackets getting the shout out. More TC Live after this. Back on TC Live, there's our own Taylor Townsend. Oh, it's tea time. It's rolling. Look at that. It's rolling. That's cool. Tea time with, with Taylor Townsend. There's not a camera that she does not love, and we love her on camera. Did a little swag surf after her last win with Layla. What's a swag surf? What is that? It looked like they were flying. It was like ah, the fly with Carol, okay. but it was she called it the swag surf. She also did the dialed in with Ben Shelton as well. They're playing mixed today. That's the hotline. That's not dialed in. Hotline bling. That's the hotline. Okay. Yeah. Look at all these Americans in action today. <laughs> what is the hotline, Chanda? The hotline is you need to call somebody. You need some help. You, you need, you know. But I'm more interested in these matchups, Steve. Not the lingo. Not the lingo. I'm interested in the hotline. All right. We'll get to the highlights instead. Uh, a win by Michael Moe would make five American men in the fourth round here for the first time since 1995. But Jack Draper had other ideas, Paul. You know, Jack Draper got off to a nice start. Big lefty serve. Nice to see him healthy. And what about Michael Moe, guys? He's really per uh, perked up his game, playing some great tennis. Big win over John Isner in five sets. And uh, this is a tough style matchup because it's mostly about what Draper's going to do because of his weapons. Michael Moe playing more offensively these days, but it was Draper that got off to that good start. Two sets up, and Michael Moe does what he always does, which is compete, move, find ways to create problems. Look at the movement from six foot four Jack Draper. But Moe did a good job winning that third set, fighting his way back in. But early on in the fourth, Draper kind of set the tone. Look at this get. That's a beautiful drop shot. That is a hell of an explosive move. And I'm sure Michael Moe's saying, how do you get that ball? But uh, Draper gets off to a big lead here in the fourth. Comes forward, knocks off this volley to seal the deal. Nice to see that young man healthy. Got a big game and a big future if he stays healthy. Into the round of 16 for the first time at a major, and by the way, great run at the U.S. Open for the American Michael Moe. Alex Diemenor, Katie Bolter, one of the many current tennis power couples on tour. They played mixed doubles at Wimbledon. Both played Saturday for spots in the fourth round of the U.S. Open in singles. We start with Bolter. Taking on former Texas star Peyton Stearns. They played in Austin earlier this year. The Longhorn won in three tie-break sets, Jim. And this was also a battle not quite as tense. Stearns getting up the early lead in the first set. And playing aggressively on the far side of the court. The big forehand there. Bolter often didn't know where to go. Couldn't quite read that shot. And it was also the intensity from Stearns. Beautiful change of direction there solidifying her lead and just playing such calm, confident tennis with the firepower. Not easy, especially on this kind of stage. But Cern, she looks like she is made for it. Terrific close to what was a fantastic match. She joins Patty Fendick of Stanford as the only NCAA women's singles champs to make the fourth round of the U.S. Open within two years of that title. Peyton Stearns, what a baller. So Bolter must now cheer for Alex Dimonor. The Aussie continued his hot summer against Nicholas Jari, John. Yeah, she could cheer, um, she could cheer heartily, just not that long, because this was uh, not much of a match. Just surprise you? Yeah, the scoreline certainly did, if not the outcome. I mean, do you know, remember, he reaped the Toronto final a few weeks ago, so he's playing well on the hard courts. He's going to have a career-high ranking when 
all said and done with this event. But yeah, I mean, Jari, big, big guy, nice serve. Six breaks of serve and only six holds. Uh, this was all one-way traffic. Jari can now go on that extended paternity leave. Remember, he had to leave Cincinnati to go back to South America. Now, uh, a lot of time to be with his second child because uh, yesterday was not much of a match. 6-1, 6-3. 6-2. Demon are only 10 winners, but that's all he had to hit. Just good, comprehensive tennis, lots of breaks of serves, and on he goes. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, they for his opponents. He's won eight <laughs> sets in a row in New York. Fourth round for the third time here. Take a look at what he has done. Hot boy summer for Alex Demon. Three top 10 wins, career high, 11 in the live rankings. And by the way, he's won his last two matches against Daniil Medvedev, including... Toronto last month. We've got Wertheim's stat of the day still to come, so we took that one away from you. You'll, you'll pick something Sorry. else, John. Get more. Break down all the big matches today. Find out who produced the hot shot of the day. Was it Jesse Pagula or was it someone else? Back on TC Live, here comes Tommy Paul. So good, you, you can't see him. You can't see him. John Cena Styles. They're having a good time. Looks loose and ready to go before his big fourth round matchup later today. Maybe some hot shots in that one. The hot shot of the day from yesterday. Carlos Alcaraz, Dan Evans, John, and Carlitos coming up with some more magic. Yeah, I think this guy has power, speed, and a little bit of athleticism. Imagine you're Dan Evans and you hit that volley and yeah. <laughs> that was one of 61 winners we had plenty to choose from. Um, these guys put on such a great show, though. And uh, we said it yesterday. Carlos likes the big stage, and he didn't disappoint yesterday. Look at that shot. Look, look at that reaction here. Just tosses the racket <laughs> into the net. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I, I did everything right. And yet still, this kid... And how about the delayed reaction? Yeah, he wasn't exactly. sure. It hit the back yeah, of the yeah. line. He's like, did I get it? Yeah, I hit the line. Yes. Did you see that ball was like three inches off the ground, too? Hard to generate that pace when you're literally scraping the court with your racket. That's, uh, that's Carlos for you. His quote after the match, we played great points that made us smile. I, I don't know if All Dan right. Evans was smiling. After I, I, think he, I think he was. I mean, Dan Evans played a great match. Yeah. Took a set off Carlos and... Uh, if you had a ticket to that match, you were, you were entertained yesterday. The returning champ continues to inspire. It is time now for our warm and fuzzy segment. It's Taylor Fritz with Michael Costa. It's a broken racket. What's that make you feel, evoke? Anything? It makes me feel good, honestly. Does it? Tell yeah. me about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm pretty upset, not much yeah. can make me feel a lot better than, than yeah. doing that. As a tennis fan, I think this, oh, no, they broke their racket. I wouldn't encourage breaking rackets. I think I felt absolutely awful when I broke a racket when I was younger. Right. Shout out our friends at Crack Rackets. You can see all of Michael Costa's great work on these warm and fuzzy segments at TennisChannel.com and YouTube.tv. Coming up next, we get you ready for the big Sunday action. Lots of highlights, match previews. Keep it close. Taxi, head on over to Queens. Chanda John Paul Steve back on TC Live, leading up to first ball on this Sunday in New York City. 
Back to the highlights from yesterday. Arena Sabalenka, Clara Burrell meeting in the third round of the U.S. Open. For the second straight year, Chanda, uh, Burrell failed to win any more games, but Sabalenka was more efficient in court time. Yeah, and this was again a bit of a mismatch with Sabalenka hitting winners from just about every position in the court. That was the backhand volley. She'd do it off the forehand side. Of course, we know how big Sabalenka can serve, and it was tough for Burrell to find any openings in this match. Sabalenka looked terrific from the start, and she didn't let up, and that's been a big change in the Sabalenka game this season when she's been playing her best. She has that ability now to lock in, hit with more margin. That point, the depth doing the damage, and showing some nice court coverage as well. Burrell not covering her lines. Sabalenka taking advantage with just that little additional space, and that was all she needed. So a very clean and tidy one-and-one one win. 21 winners for Sabalenka. Keeps herself in the mix for world number one. Then we had the rematch from the D.C. quarterfinals. Jesse Pagula, Alina Svitolina would once again, Chanda, go the distance. Yeah, I mean, this match, we were looking forward to the battle. Svitolina coming back. Just April this year playing in her first events. Terrific. The type of tennis she is already playing. But Pagula, one of the most solid players on tour the last couple of years. And she really showed that confidence. Getting the first set tucked away with beautiful backhand winners. But Svitolina would make a match of this. Her court coverage, the defense, finding the line off the forehand. She had a number of winners in this second set that allowed her to get it to the third. And that's part of the aggressive tennis we're seeing in the Svitolina game now. But in this third set, right here, round two all, it was where Pagula made her move. The good anticipation there. Easy pickings with the volley sitting up from Svitolina. And in the end, Pagula just showing a little bit more of the class she's shown over the last season or two. Winning big titles gets another big win. And back in the fourth round at the U.S. Open, explaining how she got that break in the final set. Take a listen. I felt like if I could keep pressuring her with my returns, that I could get her serves to break down, or maybe I would get a double fault, or maybe I could hit a good return where she'd feel pressure on the first ball. And that's, I think, more or less like what happened a couple times in that game. And I, I just started, I think, finding my range on my returns and hitting some good shots and feeling like I was gaining momentum. And... Um, I just wanted to keep trying to play aggressive and keep pressuring her and not let her, you know, hit out or hit free or um, feel like she was in control. Listen, Jesse is in the round of 16 in singles, in doubles, in mixed. She has played 103 matches this year, more than any other woman on tour. How was she able to get through Svitolina yesterday? She is so professional. And there is no waste. We talk about her playing in all three events. Well, why is she able to do that? One reason is she's so efficient and she's so put together. And you see that point to point. You also see that big picture as well. She doesn't waste energy on drama. She doesn't waste energy on the court. And she just was able to battle through, and that's what she does. She's not going to end up on our hot shots, and she's not going to say anything outrageous or wear anything outrageous. She just comes to work. She gets her work done, she moves on to her next match, and she gets through another battle. And she's an amazing player. I, you know, she's played so much tennis and, and so difficult to weigh what emotional energy takes out of you. And one of my questions that I'm going to put Chanda on the spot with is, mm. should she play all three events all the time in these majors? Could that have any bearing on how 
well she's prepared in these big matches and round the 16s and quarters to break through to the next level? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe that's something she has to consider as she looks to make the breakthrough, trying to get to her first major semifinal, maybe she looks at, you know, not playing all three, but she doesn't like to practice as much. She'd rather be on the match court. Mm -hmm. She talks about that on her off days. So I can kind of understand it. If you're healthy, it's a lot of fun to play doubles and mix as well. She's asked about it all the time. Yeah, and right. she says, I love playing. <laughs> and I like to compete on my off days. And that's how I get my practice. And it just works for her. Tough to measure right. the mental drain. And that doesn't the player matter, too? I mean, not often we see a third seed in singles playing mixed doubles, but the fact that she's so mature and you don't get the feeling she's taking these decisions lightly, I think she gets extra grace there. People question because of that lack of a semifinal, but once she gets there, that'll answer all the questions. So maybe that happens this year in New York. Over on the men's side, the returning men's champion, Carlos Alcaraz, facing a seed for the first time this week, Paul. Dan Evans would be his toughest test. Oh boy, the riddle that is Carlos Alcaraz is beginning, becoming more and more difficult to solve. What a great start. He was so difficult from the beginning. And these guys, two of the best movers and athletes on tour. Look at the movement we, you see throughout this match, the gets. Uh, one of the biggest things, Dan Evans, slice to offense, variety to offense. Look at the little tweener here running. And Carlos Alcaraz says, keep running. Alcaraz was just amazing. But why didn't the variety to offense work for Dan Evans? Why was there that much frustration? Alcaraz is so adept at all the different areas. This is why it didn't work. He gets past here, guys. But I tell you what, Alcaraz, 45 of 57 net approaches. That's what a complete game does to someone that just uses variation. Evans played a heck of a match to win the third set. But this man is just incredible. He has all the answers, so many options, and most impressively, knows which path to take at each moment, it seems. 60 winners, more than double that of Evans, gets Matteo Arnaldi next, the Italian upset Cam Nori. How about the 2021 champ, Daniil Medvedev, playing deep into the night against Sebastian Baez and looking to break the Argentines' 12-match win streak, Paul. Yeah, Baez has been playing some terrific tennis. The biggest problem for Baez is the serves. He basically won just about 50% of his serve points, and if it's that much of a struggle to win points on your serve against Medvedev, it is going to be a long night, and that's how it started, and that's how it ended up. Medvedev controlling from the back of the court. Baez tried to use the forehand to create discomfort, but when Medvedev gets up to the baseline like he did in that point and uses more offense, he's even more difficult to deal with. Nice little attempt here, but look at Medvedev coming forward, overhead, couple of defensive plays. Then there's Daniel with a little bit of touch and a lot of talent. Boy, he was impressive. 6-2, 6-2. Got the crowd into it, and here closes it out with an ace. And as always, Medvedev was fun to watch and maybe sometimes even more fun to listen to. <laughs> Oftentimes fun to listen to. We will hear from Daniil Medvedev and his post-match comments later in the show. Uh, John, 16 years in age separates Stan Pavranka, Yannick Center, but three major titles separate them as well. Young Italian hoping to change that. Yeah, listen to the crowd here. Stan Pavranka, 38 years old, former champion, and he's become a real crowd favorite. This was a fun, tight match as we suspected it would be. A test for Center. This is a different kind of opponent than he's used to playing. Stan takes the second set, gets that crowd involved, but Sinner does a nice job of resetting. Sinner had that, that disappointment at Wimbledon. Since then, though, he's been terrific. Look at this touch. One of 21 points. That's almost an entire set he won at the net. 
Sinner had won in Toronto, biggest title of his career, about a month ago, and he was great yesterday. Uh, this could have been a lot more complicated than it was, but he got a break in the fourth set, and then against the very game, Stan Wawrinka. Uh, Sinner had to play well, and he did play well. He moves on. 21 of 26 at net. It is all Gucci for Yannick Sinner, who met the Karota boys yesterday for the first time. They were in attendance, took their selfie, uh, and they will stay to root on their guy. Former finalist Madison Keys setting a major milestone in New York. I'll tell you how she's keeping it 100 in more than one way. Back on TC Live, a reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and more. It is available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Well, Yannick Sinner awaiting the winner of this match between Alexander Zverev and Grigor Dimitrov, Paul. And it was Dimitrov looking good early. I'll tell you what, this was an extremely high level of tennis. First set tie break. Look at the beautiful one-hander from Grigor Dimitrov. Got off to a huge lead in the tie break, which helped tons. How about some talent right here? The running forehand, no, just wide, in, out. They call it out. Grigor says, please make the width of that line a little bit more. But didn't matter. Won that first set in a tiebreak and a war in the second set tiebreak. Grigor Dimitrov right here. That should have been hit a little bit harder. Wasn't able to convert on two set points to go up two sets to love. And that one, ouch, goes in the net. Has to go off the court for a little bit of uh, some physical issues. And then it was all Zverev. Folks, the big problem is that man right there got to the net 48 times. And... Grigor Dimitrov, guys, only got to net 31 times. I'm still scratching my head. He's so great up at the net, just couldn't get there enough. And Zverev toughed him out. But Grigor Dimitrov, remember, got past the first round, saved three match points. Mm -hmm. Good turn. Zverev going to meet Sinner for the fifth time. Uh, first match of the night session on Ash, Angebur, Marie Boskova. This one really took us on a roller coaster of emotions, John. Yeah, match between two seeds. Boskova's got a lot of talent. Oscar hasn't been feeling her best. At the same time, she's the only player in women's tennis to win, to, to reach the final of three of the last five majors. Boskova goes off the court for an injury, a bit of a thigh injury. That was after winning the first set. And look here in the tiebreak. She was two points from winning this match. But An said, not so fast, literally and figuratively. Could this be right? 56 winners for Anstabur. Um, and only one of them went an eight. This has to be 218 points and only one ace the entire match. By the third set, it was all odds. You had the feeling that if Boskova was going to win this, it had to be in straight sets. In part, you see, she is compromised uh, in terms of mobility. Anstruber, not the player you want to face when you're having a tough time moving because she finds spots on the court and has that sadistic drop shot. This ended up being a very nice win for Oscar She was in some real trouble, extricated herself, and now she's on to yet another week two of a major. Sadistic, extricated. You're getting a vocab lesson this morning with Worthon. A power tennis on display between Madison Keys and Ludmila Samsonovichanda. The American would need a comeback here. Yeah, this was pretty straightforward, though, compared to the Ons Jabur match. The firepower from both players, no shortage. And in the first set, it was Samsonova, along with the firepower, finding the lob. 
She got it done, got the early advantage, but Madison Keys has played some terrific tennis and was up for a comeback. The backhand there, that's been a big weapon. We know how big she can hit the forehand, but she's been doing it off both sides. The running forehand there to get herself a second set, and she had that momentum going into the third and used it. He's getting up to the net. She was 7 of 12, and those were huge plays and some big moments. And down the stretch, it was Keys just a little more solid, along with the firepower, a terrific three-set win. 100th Grand Slam match win for Maddie Keys at the same place where she won her very first major match. As we take a look at the draw, Sweet 16 all set. Madison Key is going to be playing her fellow United Cup teammate, Jesse Pagula. What's going on on the thread? Well, Key's talking about playing Jesse next. Jess probably plays a little bit flatter than I do. Um, but I think maybe if I have the advantage in the serve, she has the advantage in the return. So, uh, you know, I think we kind of are opposites a little bit. But, um, I mean, she's been playing some amazing tennis the past few years and it's I mean it's going to be a really difficult match only played once before in San Diego last year Jesse got the win there what's, what's going to be the biggest factor in this match Paul I think it's about how consistent Madison can be she's got more firepower she can hurt anybody at any given moment and if she plays disciplined smart tennis and creates enough margin and gets a good court position she's got the power to finish but you know she mentioned Jesse Pagula one of the smartest players on tour knows exactly how to exploit any weakness that you may show. So unforced error count is going to be important for Madison. Yeah, I think one of the most important parts uh, for a big hitter is being able to get forward into the net, especially against an opponent who can anticipate, who can be so clean from the ground, who is so solid in, as Jesse Pagula is. So I think for Madison Keys, obviously the serve, that's her big weapon. That's an area where she can take over um, and really make her road a lot easier. But she's got to get forward with the consistency you mentioned, Paul. She's been doing that, but she's got to up it to another level here. What will happen to Madison's targets and her margins when Jesse Pagula does what she often does, which is frustrate and plays a bit of sort of pesky tennis and makes those just anticipates really well. Um, so Madison Keys has the power, the sheer power to beat anyone and is a former finalist here. I just wonder what happens in those moments of the match when she gets frustrated. The good news, we're guaranteed an American in the quarterfinals. There you go. Either way, with Jesse and Maddie. That one's tomorrow. we got some big matches to preview today. Speaking of being guaranteed an American in the quarterfinals, Tommy Paul, Ben Shelton. It's a rematch of the Australian Open quarterfinals, TP1. Uh, what's going to make the difference in this match, Paul? First serve percentage for Ben Shelton. I think he has to serve a really high percentage of first serves. And, look, I've been so impressed with Tommy Paul and his ability to actually really learn how to think his way through matches when he doesn't play great tennis. Tip of the cap to Brad Stein and Tommy for working so hard to figure out how to use all those massive athletic skills. Ben Shelton, huge power we know, but... That first serve percentage is going to be key for Ben. Mm. Yeah, and I also think, you know, there's a big difference now in the experience of Ben Shelton. I mean, even from, you know, early this year, the Australian Open, the belief that's there. You know, this is a match he can understand a little bit more of what to expect, what he needs to do, whether he can execute is going to be the question. Tommy Paul has been so terrific, especially from the ground, and being able to transition himself from defense to offense, get inside the court. I think that's going to be a key for, for Paul over the course of this match. But it should be a fun one, slightly 
slightly contrasting styles, but I'm looking for both players to try to be as aggressive as possible. There's a warmth, there's a friendship, but there's also this generational pride. It can't be fun to have this 20-year-old kid suddenly try to take me out of a major. I think they'll both draw on that match in Australia. Best of five match, hard court, a good match, but the veteran player, Tommy Paul, won that one. I think he wins this one, too. Keep an eye out for young Eddie on the sidelines. Could be the Eddie. difference for <laughs> Tommy Paul in this match. Uh, Coco Goff said she wished when Caroline Wozniacki retired, wished I got a chance to play her. She gets her wish, Chanda. A lot of athleticism on the court in this one. How do you see it going? A lot of athleticism, a lot of incredible defense and movement. Also, you know, having the wheels to go the distance, two out of three sets. I mean, this is going to, I think, go down to the wire in terms of, you know, how tight the sets will be. Golf, I give the advantage to, obviously, has just got more tennis under her belt of late, and she has been playing some inspired tennis hitting the forehand much bigger that is going to be critical the battle of backhands that's going to be an interesting one because both of these players favor that shot can golf be a little more explosive can she use a little more of her athleticism inside the court getting to the net it's not easy to do against Wozniacki but I think that's going to be a key for her as well yeah the athleticism and power of Coco Golf I think may be a little bit too much for the great uh, counterpunching skills of Cairo. She's done a great job, but I think a little too much firepower from Coco. Um, but you never know. We saw what Cairo did when she was down a set in a break against Jen Brady, went into lockdown mode, and man, that's not fun when you're on the other side of the net. But. Wozniacki got her first top 10 win when Coco was three years old. We'll go for uh, number 62 against Coco Goff. And then we got a rematch from last year at the U.S. Open between Serana Cristea and uh, Belinda Bencic. It was Bencic that won last year's match, but 2-1 head-to-head for Cristea, John. Uh, how do their games match up? Yeah, th this is kind of a pickup. Uh, 2-1, two, two as you say, for Cristea head-to-head, but yes, they did play a year ago on hardcore's Bencic won that match. I, You know, Bencic is such a reactive player, and... You know, Kirstea brings the power. So this is a nice offense-defense contrast. Benchich has played well at the U.S. Open, tends to underachieve at majors. This is the one that she doesn't. I think she's a slight favorite. Yeah, I give Benchich the slight favorite in this as well. The key, and I think the question, is really the serving of Benchich. Can she get enough first serves in? Can she move the serve around the box? Kirstea is such a terrific returner. And she's been stepping in, looking to be more aggressive. She can apply pressure in that department. And on these courts, that style works. So can Benchich open up the court enough and use her serve the way she needs to? With Simona Halep out, it's Serana Kirstea yeah, kind of carrying the flag for Romania. Should be some good matches. we got more match previews still to come later on TC Live on this Sunday as we lead up to all the action. The four of us with you every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, your only pregame show for the U.S. Open, leading up to coverage today on ESPN at 11 a.m. Eastern. More TC Live after a quick break. Welcome back. Here comes Jesse Pagula. Gets the day off in singles and doubles, but playing mixed today with Austin Krychek. Always a match for Jesse. You know what that means, Steve? What does that mean? She Sorry. doesn't have to practice. That's right. Yeah, she no can practice. play. <laughs> practice. Exactly. <laughs> paid, paid practice. And here comes Kara Wozniacki, lowest ranked player to reach the round of 16 at the U.S. Open since... 2009. Guess who won that year? That player, Kim Kleisters, another mom coming back. Oh, wow, there you yes. go. Good. Synergy. Uh, athletes want to be rock stars. Rock stars want to be athletes. Tomorrow, we will tell you about one man who has lived the best of both worlds. It is a tennis story you do not want to miss on TC Live. 
tomorrow morning. Certainly got the hair to be a rock star. Time to enter the social net. Daniil Medvedev working from late at night until early in the morning to get past Sebastian Baez. And as always, his comments were just as entertaining as his play on the court. Listen to this. Just a word to the people who are staying out here late to get some atmosphere. A little thanks to the New York folk. Yeah, thanks a lot to all the guys who don't shout between first and second serve. You guys are great. No, but uh, you, you guys are great. But uh, few, uh, I think there is one guy. I don't know if he has a girlfriend or wife, but I don't know how he's gonna, how his girlfriend or wife is gonna sleep, because I think he's so pumped up that he's gonna at the night say, vamos, 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 like bit, uh, just uh, nonstop. So, yeah, I feel, I feel sorry for him. <laughs> what a legend! Oh, That's so awesome. You know, Pam ended that interview by saying, "You're a piece of work." <laughs> and he is. Uh, that's not your conventional post-match interview, is it? It never is. No, with never. This guy doesn't do. There's always today. some little nugget you get <laughs> you didn't watch, expect. A great watch and a great listen. I mean, at one thirty in the morning, yeah, yeah, you know, everybody's yeah. a little loopy, right? We can. Exactly. But you know, no, don't don't shout out between first and second serves. You're big. Don't don't commentate between first and second serves. Right? Yeah. Just let it play. You know, I am, but you know, I was making more of a note of him being in that man's household. What was happening? Yeah, how do you know what's going on at night? Right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> moving on, shall we? <laughs> sure. Uh, we'll have some match previews coming up. Right after a quick break, a reminder that the newly enhanced USOpenShop.org is the official shop for 2023 US Open merchandise. Get US Open gear for the entire family. Check out a variety of one-of-a-kind US Open accessories. Visit USOpenShop.org today. You won't believe who is in the People Magazine stars in the stands. Who's listening? Jermaine. Jermaine. Your notepad. Yes. You're going to love this one, Jermaine. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. Welcome back to TC Live at the U.S. Open. It's uh, it's the, the favorite segment. People, stars in the stands. How about, I mean, just like he is such a pa passionate tennis fan, Seal. I think he lives there. Seal of approval. Uh, who else do you notice in that photo, Paul? Is that Dominic Stricker? Who, no. no, maybe not. Baltimore? That's who's half the, the fun of these. Who's in the back to, uh, right there? I couldn't tell you. But uh, it's half the fun of these is seeing who else makes it in as well. Liam Shrine. Always good there to see go. Seal and say, hey, that's Zach Efron. Oh, yeah. Subbing in for Paul Anacone in the Taylor Fritz there box. There you go. There you go. Still not as fam uh, famous as Morgan Riddle, but, but Zach was there getting some photos with Lily Russell. She get, that. Get, guess who's watching this segment, guys? Who? John, who's watching the segment? Might it be Jermaine? Might be Jermaine. <laughs> Can we just get her a spot on the couch? <laughs> Zach Efron. I mean, that's, that's big time right there for Fritzy. That's right. For more stars in the stands, visit people.com. And it is that time. Cue the tunes. We get some music? There we got some music. All right. What are the odds that Coco and Iga Schwantek could be in the same quarter of the draw? We often ask that rhetorically. What are the chances? Well, we can figure that out. Wow. Uh, one in four. 
That's regular odds, right? One fourth and a quarter. Uh, one and four times one and four times one and four for all four majors. That's way too much. Four cubed. One in 256. Those are the odds that two players would be in the same quarter of the draw for four straight majors. And yet that is where we are. So uh, by Australian Open 2024, if they end up in the same quarter, that would be more than one in a thousand. Um, I don't think it happens. But this year, all four majors, these two stars have been very close adjacent neighborhoods, and they will uh, play in the quarters if they each hold their own. That's a lot of math right there. Uh, time for our Tennis Express head-to-head on Iga Sviantek and Yelena Ostapenko. Three love Panko. Only WTA player with a perfect record against the pole. Chanda, why do you think she has dominated this matchup? She hits the ball big, Steve, and she hits every <laughs> ball big. Ostapenko does. That gives Iga Sviantek some problems. Also, you look at you know those matchups, the one in 2019. That was before Iga became a Grand Slam right. champion. Mm-hmm. You look at the one uh, in, in 2021. That was before Iga really ascended to the spot that okay. she is in currently. Now, the last one, last <laughs> season, Let's discuss I, don't really, that. <laughs> I don't have as much of an answer for that one, but it was three sets. Uh, Iga did get closer. I think it is always going to be a tough matchup because of how big Ostapenko hits the ball. And we know with the grips and and with Sviantek looking to be aggressive, she can't implement the same style of play quite as effectively. So we'll see if she can turn things around here. You know how mad Iga was the last time she lost to Ostapenko? She reeled off 37 straight matches. Um, So after Ostapenko beat her in 2022, that was when Iga started her streak. But no, uh, X's and O's, not often you see a champion, a future Hall of Famer, going to a match never having beaten their opponent in three tries. It's it's Ostapenko. I mean, what else can you say there? Uh, Francis Tiafo, Rinky Hijikata. Paul, uh, what do you make of this matchup? Well, all arrows point to Francis, right? I mean, it seems like it's going to be on his racket. And... uh, as he strolls in uh, to the grounds and to the fans, loves playing in New York City. But this is one of those awkward matches, guys, because guess what? You're supposed to win. I mean, there is a huge amount of pressure when you're supposed to win. It's a different mentality. Francis has been so buttoned up mentally. He, he seems to play his best emotional and mental tennis in New York City. So I expect him to get through. And, and for Hijikata, regardless of what happens, he's had a heck of a turn. He's had an amazing, amazing run there. We'll see uh, what goes down there. Coco Golf trying to become the youngest American woman to reach back-to-back quarters at the U.S. Open since Serena Williams did it. Takes on her elder, Caroline Wozniacki. What's the game plan here, John? Uh, in the words of Paul Anico, these matches are different when you're supposed to win. Uh, Caroline playing with house money. It's interesting. I think she'll hold up fine physically. This is a player who ran a marathon during her career. I don't worry about that. I just think emotionally she's been through a lot. And it's the comeback and night matches and coming back, a, a set and a breakdown. It's been a terrific run for her. Does she still sort of spiritually keep this up against Coco? And remember, she's got two kids, what, under two years old? Oh, that's she's right. Yeah. Who knows emotionally where that could go. But she's certainly, I think, ready, Wozniacki, to, to compete and go out and let it all hang out. Olivia would be ready to go. I know that. She's like, take me to work, Mom. I want to play some tennis. A great day of Sweet 16 matches. We'll have all the highlights for you tomorrow morning on TC Live. Thanks so much for joining us today.